Hey, what's up? If you're seeing this, you're tuned into the podcast replay. If you're hearing this, you're tuned into the podcast replay. Welcome, as always. I appreciate having you guys here. And as always, it's just me and you for a few moments before everybody else comes into the live. So I want to remind you guys of a few things. Head to crypto underscore Caribbean on Instagram, like, follow, share, join the community. Also hit the link in my bio. That's going to take you to the official crypto and cognac podcast telegram group. That's where we share the love. That's where we get into all the niceties, give away some cool stuff over there as well. So guys, let's get into it as people start joining the live. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, depending on where in the world you're joining us from. I am Illuminati, and this is the Crypto and Cognac podcast show powered by Alti, the one-click crypto wallet for Telegram and WhatsApp, and fueled by Hennessy. As always, tonight I'm having some Hennessy VSOP, some very special old pale. So that's what I'm drinking on. And tonight we have a very, very special conversation for you guys. We are talking CBDCs. For those of you who don't know what that is, Central Bank Digital Currencies. And I'm talking with a very, very knowledgeable young lady in this space, Miss Kimberly Adams. And I'm gonna introduce herself in a short while when she joins us. And I wanna especially thank Kimberly before she comes in and I will explain to you guys why when Kimberly is on. George, what's up, man? Steven, pick up yourself, man. The Crypto and Cognac Podcast crew. These are the guys who are always here supporting me every Friday. Isaac, what's up? Jarian. Isan, what's up, man? So... I'm just waiting for Kimberly to um, come in. Hold on a second. Devon, what's up, man? So, guys, make sure to use the comment section. Um, give yourself the opportunity to ask your questions so we can engage with you guys. Why do I feel like Kim is having some technical difficulties? Ambika, what's up? So guys, one um, point of note before we get started, which I forgot to do, and I'm glad that I'm having the Sorry about that, guys. Um, is I just want to remind you guys that nothing that we share in the podcast this evening should be taken as financial advice. This is all for information, conversation, and education as always, the ICE rule. I'm trying to add Kim here.
I don't know. I don't know. Oh, Kim, I, I, I fear, and I hope this is not the case. So Kim is actually in Dubai. And as we experienced a couple of days ago when we were touching base, Dubai blocks certain, um, certain benefits on certain apps. So I'm wondering if they're blocking her from going live. We're going to try a couple more times uh, and we're going to figure it out. If not, we're going to have to adapt as always. But we're going to give Kimberly another chance to join us. Isan is telling me, yes, they do. Uh, so I guess um, we're going to have to have that conversation with Kim over, over chat. Yeah, she's saying uh, technical issues. One moment. So CBDCs. So for you guys who may not know what are CBDCs, they're basically digital forms of fiat currency. And they are fiat currency. Fiat currency is basically any currency that is issued by the government of a country or a state. It basically translates roughly into um, decree. I think it um, comes from the Latin word fiat, which means let it be done. So we're going to talk a little bit about how fiat is transitioning into the digital space, borrowing some of the technology from um, the cryptocurrency space and how it's being born again on the decentralized ledger platforms or blockchain platforms. Yeah? I think, Kim, I don't know if you have access to VPN. That might be an option um, in terms of connecting using a VPN that might allow you to jump on the call. Guys, if you guys have any questions, now is a good time to put them in the chat so I could take note of them. So when we do get a chance to talk to Kimberly, we could, um, I could give her those questions. Yes, Stephen, as always, not financial advice. That's not what we do here. All right, let's try this again. Rolling the dice here. There she is. Oh my god, it works. Hey. <laughs> What's guys, up? I'm so sorry about that. I'm so sorry no about problem. that. I, I like rolled out of bed and then I'm trying to figure out how to use Instagram Live. I've been off Instagram for some time, so getting thought, acclimated again. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were gonna deny these people from um seeing your beautiful morning face. Oh my god, no, I look so puffy too. <laughs> Okay, at least it's working. How how it's, are you? How, how's I am it going? good. How are you? Thank you very much for um, giving up some of your sleep to be with us. Guys, the reason we had to push back the podcast this evening is because it is currently 6 a.m. in Dubai. And it yep. would have been 4 a.m. had we 
um, going on regular time. Yeah, I appreciate I appreciate you guys making the making the time adjustment because I've been going to bed at four a.m. Uh, the previous nights, getting adjusted to the time schedule. Yeah. So it was yeah, good to I get. I remember messaging you sometime and I'm like, why is she responding now? Because I'm thinking, you know, you're going to respond when you wake up and um, you were it's, responding. It's so hard. Getting adjusted, it's really hard. <laughs> cool, cool. So, Kim, let me give you an opportunity to introduce yourself. Um, people would have seen from the flyer that you're the VP of marketing for um, Bits. Digital Bits. Yeah. Digital, digital bits. bits. Sorry. Yeah. So, you know, give them a little bit more about, you know, your experience in this space and a wider scope of what you do, actually. Yeah. So I've been in the space for about six, six or seven years now. Mm -hmm. uh, I started with Bit. Um, well, a lot of people are familiar with Bit. They yeah. were one of the first crypto and blockchain company in the Caribbean. Yeah, um, to Gabby. Yeah, big up to Gabby. He actually brought the entire crypto world to the Caribbean, right? Um, and they were the first one. They actually introduced the concept of central bank digital currencies to the entire world. Right. This was back in 2016. Um, this concept was, was never there. Uh, so it was kind of cool having the opportunity to work with that team um, and rolling that solution out. Um, since then, I kind of left to do, you know, deep crypto marketing. Right. I fell in love with the space, uh, got to work with um, some really cool exchanges uh, locally and also over in Switzerland. Right. Um, did, did my own thing for some time. And now I'm working as the VP of marketing at the Digital Bits Foundation, which um, is a layer one solution. It's We're like the Ethereum Foundation because right. the Digital Blockchain is an open source blockchain. And other than that, I do, you know, my own kind of trading. Um, I'm also building a protocol in the DeFi world. Um, so uh, pretty deep into this space and, you know, always, always like having these conversations, especially in the Caribbean, uh, because I feel like, you know, we're all we're all still learning. Yeah, and even 100%. though like, yeah, even though I've been in this space for so long, there's always something new on the market. So, you know, it's, it's good that we're having these conversations. And I love that we don't feel afraid to ask questions. Yeah. Um, that's one thing that moved the crypto space forward. Um, you know, before like in, in the traditional world, especially in the traditional financial world, uh, you have these big guys talking about all these weird acronyms and you don't understand it. In the crypto world, people are like, what the hell does this mean? I, I have no clue. And that's how we learn and that's how yeah. we actually create a space that was never there before so and it's you know, pretty cool to be having these conversations for sure and, and you know what one of the things that i think is cool about the crypto space which is different from the traditional space i think in the traditional space people actually get off on on having um access to those terms and those acronyms that nobody knows and and speaking in code and you know having their little yeah. you know boys clubs as the case may be, and, and, you know, keeping people out. And it's so different in the crypto space. But like exactly. you said, you know, I think it's so important for us to be having these conversations in the Caribbean. I think especially on the, in the retail space, because I think the, the Caribbean has, you know, a lot of very deep players in the crypto space internationally. People like Gabby, people like yourself, 
Um, but a lot of times the people in the retail space don't really see them. So, you know, one of the things that I really want to do with this space is, you know, bring you guys to the regular guy, you know, for you guys to speak as authorities on it and, and not be afraid to say, like you said, that you're still learning, that you're still growing, that, you know, there is things that you don't know. Because one of the things that we see a lot is that the people who show themselves and the people who position themselves in, in, in the space for the retail channels to hear them are those who don't know much, but they always try to position themselves as experts. And they are, that's why I think misinformation is such a huge thing in this space. And that's some of the things that I'm trying to counteract. Absolutely. But Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, and I was just about to say, we have so much talent in the Caribbean, and obviously there's a little bit of brain drain yeah. of the good talent uh, <laughs> going overseas, but there, there's so much. So, you know, just on behalf of the whole Caribbean, thanks for doing this. This is a very important uh, initiative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm seeing George uh, in the chat. George. Hey, George. I'm going to have George on as soon as uh, Bitcoin hits 100,000, he promised me. Very soon. <laughs> but in the meantime, you know, I've I've tons more, you know, technical people in this space. And what I try to do is bring people from different parts of the space, you know, people doing developing, people on the NFT side, people on the DeFi side, people who are core, you know, Bitcoin maximalists, you know, people like I'm trying to get Stefan on. Stefan and I have to work out um our schedules to make that happen. But tonight I'm talking to you and, I'm, and we're going to talk a little bit about the CBDC space. Um, your experience with BIT um, is going to be, you know, important, I think, to share. But, you know, tell me what your, what your perspective on the CBDC space is. You know, talk to us a little bit about, you know, your involvement um, via BIT and some of the other things that you know is taking place in the space. Yeah. So BIT was definitely a very good introduction to the CBDC world. Um, I think a lot has changed since then in the sense that the conversation around CBDCs allowed us to kind of understand how the banking system works in the back end. So right. when CBDCs first came out, it was all the hype, right? Everyone thought, you know, global remittances, remittances the ability to settle transaction easily. Um, and that's, that's still important for the Caribbean. Um, but I think if we try to, if we understand what happens in the back end of our banking system, uh, you would actually realize that CBDCs exist right now to some extent, right? right? How are banks, how, when you do a wire transfer, there's no, um, truck carrying your cash to another <laughs> bank it's just right. ledgers being updated it's just that that system is pretty old um yeah. and it's it's inefficient so cbdc's are essentially updating that system um but you know i have uh, i have two different perspectives on it uh one that it's good for the caribbean itself and it's good for our caribbean ecosystem and our region because for such a small region, we don't have the ability to be interoperable from a trade perspective, right? Right. And as a small region, this is something that we need. We can't work in silo. There's just no way that this region will thrive. You know, Barbados is one small island with 300,000 uh, persons. Yeah. And this is it's just not sustainable. So I think CBDCs is important in that sense for at least the Caribbean. 
Um, now, speaking to other larger countries, uh, such as Nigeria, um, well, I am not 100% sold on that as yet uh, because of the Nigerian dollar. Um, these guys, they already have a good banking infrastructure, right? right? CBDCs doesn't mean that the unbanked can access this kind of, um, this, sorry, I'm just getting a bunch of follow requests. I, this is a very private account. Please don't follow me, guys. Um, uh, right, this is a so, one-time only experience, guys. <laughs> um, right, so for the Nigeria thing, they, they already have access to banking. Um, crypto is good for Nigeria, but CBDCs in itself, it just means that you're enabling the central banks to print more dollars easily with a click of a button. Yeah. Yeah. Right now, they will do it regardless, but it's much harder. There's still a barrier there. Um, but with a CBDC, it's almost like a press of a button for them, yeah. literally. Um, so to, to some extent, I don't know if I totally agree with that. However, you know, for the Caribbean side, it's more of a win than anything. It's more right. positive than anything. And it's also a step in the that right direction, showing that our, you know, our regulators and um, our financial authorities are being innovative um, but also CBDCs, they work on a private blockchain. Uh, they will never, well, to my knowledge, I don't think they will ever be fully distributed. Right. And because they're not fully distributed, they're not decentralized yeah. in nature. So one entity still has that, that control. Um, but from a pure, like, from a pure interoperability, access to global trade and stuff from a Caribbean standpoint, I, I think it's important um, and it's good to see persons, you know, countries like the Bahamas taking initiative um, and, you know, Barbados was the first to be part of that. And I really, I really wish we would be a bit more progressive here, but yeah. I guess everything in due time, there's a lot of systematic risk um, by, you know, moving towards um, these, I guess, financial products. Yeah. Um, and so, the Caribbean is more so looking at larger countries like, you know, China and so forth to learn from that. Um, but as I said, I think there's there's good and there's bad. I don't know that CBDCs is for everyone, um, but I definitely do think it's important for the Caribbean. Or even if it even if the Caribbean doesn't move towards the CBDC, at least it pushes the conversation to, you know, make our banking more globally accessible. Yeah, I mean, I myself, I think I'm um, quite a bit on defense about CBDCs as well. Um, I see the benefits in terms of, you know, promoting adoption, um, because I think as, as central banks move into the crypto space, it encourages and develops trust in the retail market to um, position themselves in the space as well. My biggest... Um, challenge with CBDCs is reinforcing that centralized power that, you know, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency's origin was trying to, you know, get away from in the first, in the first instance. So um, definitely a double-edged sword. Um, but you, you're talking about the value to the Caribbean and the value in terms of interoperability within the Caribbean and the Caribbean, um, different countries. But the Caribbean, we have 13 different 
um, currencies that we use regularly within. So do you, how, how do you think the ideal structure for CBDC implementation in the space in the Caribbean would be? Would it be one unified um, currency? Would it be each, um, each country having their own digital token that is that we are able to, you know, trade with each other more easily than, you know, the traditional FX situation? How then do we manage, you know, the hedges of different currencies? For example, the TT dollar, the TT dollar is pegged to the US dollar um, at a particular rate. The mm -hmm. Bajan dollar is similarly pegged, you know, how would we treat with those things, you think? Yeah, so, we definitely can't have one currency for the entire um, for the entire Caribbean because, you know, we might as well come together and use the one country. Sovereign, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, but however, they can be one currency that is used as a bridge uh, right. currency, right? So, for example, I can have the Barbados dollars. You can have the TT dollars, and we can have. Let's just call this. Caribbean dollars as this intermediary currency replacing the US dollar, right? Yeah. And if I wanted to move between BBD to TTD um, and there wasn't a market for it, you can, I guess I'm thinking DeFi right now, yeah. you can trade yeah. your Barbados dollars for your Caribbean dollars right. and then your take that Caribbean, Caribbean dollars. dollars. I'm, exactly. I'm going to brand it Crypto Caribbean dollars. <laughs> yeah, that, that works. <laughs> And then you trade that crypto Caribbean dollar for TTD, and right. so you can and you can do this for all thirteen of the the countries. I see someone right. put in there carry dollar. That's also yes. a pretty Seven. good name, right? Stephen. So yeah. yeah, and like it doesn't it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what currency it is. You can essentially move between any of the currency if you have a bridge bridge token. I think um, right. having so, that so that currency is important. So, so similar to like, for example, some of the DEXs like Uniswap and they have um, Ethereum as the, you know, the base currency and, you know, you have pool L LP tokens, you know, liquidity pool tokens that are TTD to C TTD, CCD parents, uh, BBD, CCD parents and that kind of thing. That's how you're thinking of it. Yeah. Exactly. Um, it's like, Right now, we're kind of dependent on the U.S. dollar. Right. Um, we can't put so much, so many, so much dependencies on that. So I think if we move away from that and create our own, our own carry dollar, as yeah. uh, the guys are saying, and has that as, a, as a, yeah, as Stephen is saying, has that as an intermediary token. Um, well, intermediary currency. And the thing right. is that currency could be an additional one. I don't know if it could be part of CARICOM or something that. Right can be used as, as legal tender also um i'm no you know i'm no expert in terms currency. of currency <laughs> <laughs> so it's hard for me to say but it's just from a from a pure technical um standpoint i know this is how we do it in the crypto world because right. as i said i'm working on a bridging protocol and one of the functionality is to swap any asset between any asset right um so for example swapping your ethereum for avalanche right um how do i get that market or let's give another token 
problematic for Avalanche. Those right. markets don't exist that you right. can do it directly. And so how we're doing is you're converting that MATIC to, let's say, MATIC to Ethereum, then maybe Ethereum to USDT, then USDT to Avalanche. Um, and in the middle there, we have like our token that you use to do that swap. So that's kind of where I got the idea from having that middle, that middleman token. And I right. think it's important to help make markets on both sides. Right. Important. Uh, I'm seeing uh, Midas, Midas asking, why did El Salvador opt to use Bitcoin as their currency instead of enrolling into using a CBDC? And does this potentially present country adoption? So that's a, that's a big question. But, um, you know, it kind of lends itself to, the, to your idea of having a separate uh, second, secondary token that runs parallel as legal tender in all the, in all the countries. Yeah. So how do you I feel about that? I think El Salvador made a good play because now they're also competing on a global level and other countries are turning to them. Um, if they were to create their own CBDC, this wouldn't have changed much, much for them. The dollar is still what it is right now. It falls within their existing regulatory uh, regime. Bitcoin is a completely different currency. Um, it's a completely way of, of doing things and I think you know I think it's a it's a pretty good move and it's a very innovative move um, Bitcoin itself you know that was the idea for it to become a global uh, reserve currency so does it does it pr potentially present current country adoption 100% because yeah okay we're kind of we're kind of losing Kim there she's loading she's having some data issues but um, to answer your question, Midas, as well, I'll maybe just put my two cents in while Kim comes back to us. El Salvador is a, a very different um, experience to most other countries in that El Salvador did not have their own currency. They had already um, given up their monetary policy and we're using the US dollar as their main um, currency. So it was easy for them to move to a secondary currency instead of establishing a CBDC because in establishing a CBDC, they would basically have to establish their own currency again. So, so that, was, that was one of the, um, the key things about the difference in the El Salvador circumstance. Kimmy, just just send me another request, and I'll and I'll add you again. Yeah. Um, let me just go through some questions while Kim um, sends her request. Convo is the Stephen is willing to provide liquidity for the new um, token, new swap protocol, I should say. This is similar to how Hop.Exchange does bridging of USDC across each layer to directly a bridge token. Yes, there are a few projects, you know, doing the bridging, attempting the bridging solution 
but none of them have really um, had the success yet. Let me, give me two seconds, guys. I'm trying to add Kim back here. Definitely, uh, Stefan, it does include layer one. So that's one of the things that, you know, a lot of the protocols aren't interoperable. Kim is back with us. I can, I can see myself, but I can't see you, Al. Um, I have to come outside. I'm, well, I'm, I'm, I'm using data right now. I'm, I'm seeing you. Are, you. are you trying to show us the, um, the best view outside? I can give you guys a view, though. Here, this is... It's a beautiful sunrise in in Dubai, um, but yeah, is, she's got some good Wi-Fi outside. <laughs> <laughs> There's better Wi-Fi outside. No, because I'm using data. Be, that's why. <laughs> oh, it will it will not be called Kim Swap. <laughs> that's a good name. Kim Swap. <laughs> yeah. So Kim, I was just kind of saying that you know. Um, El Salvador had a kind of different situation because they did not have their own currency. Um, so adopting Bitcoin was easier for them because they, you, the US dollar was their currency. They had given up um, their own currency maybe 20 years ago. So their situation was a lot different to a lot of other countries that are trying to do the same thing. Exactly. And when you're using a currency with a certain like economic ties to it, it has a certain value um, in your own right. economic climate. It's just not sustainable. There will be, ins I mean, given there's already insane, huge uh, wealth disparities, but there will be even more um, by using the U S dollar. So I think, I think Bitcoin, Bitcoin solves this. Yeah. And we, we're, we're very much, um, Pro Bitcoin. Bitcoin is, you know, perfect money. The most perfect money that we've had developed in the history of mankind, I believe. That's my personal oh, yeah. opinion. So 100%. we know we we know we know the Bahamas was one of the first to launch their CBDC right here in the Caribbean. We know Nigeria is working with Bit out of Barbados to develop their uh, CBDC. We know China has been piloting um, a project for maybe a, a, a year now and they're getting ready to roll out um, their digital currency. So where do you see this going? How, how quickly do you see this adoption taking place? Do you think most countries are going to jump on board as more and more countries jump on board? Or do you think each country is going to figure out you know, whether or not this makes sense to them? Yeah, I definitely think it might be the latter. Um, with China, they have their uh, Belt and Road Initiative. Uh, some I can't remember the exact term. Um, so I suppose their CBDC is, you know, for they want to improve their trade more than what they have already. Um, in order to do so, they want to ensure that there's there's efficient settlement platforms. Um, so I suppose. For them, it, it absolutely makes sense, and they're constantly competing against the U.S. 
Um, so this is this is not surprising. Right. Um, smaller countries like Barbados and the Caribbean, um, there's no doubt that central banks are already looking to this. I think it's over 80% of central banks worldwide. Kim is Kim is coming and going, unfortunately. But yeah, she's saying that you know there are about eighty percent of central banks worldwide are doing some kind of um, research into CBDCs. Uh, France is definitely up there. Sweden is definitely up there. Yeah, um, <laughs> she's not actually using Wi-Fi. She's using data. Because she she really wants to talk to you guys, so that's why um, she is trying her best to make it happen. And we're gonna keep doing it. We're gonna keep doing it because this is an important conversation to have. And Kimberly is committed to having it with you guys. So we're gonna keep doing it, um, guys. Let me hear your opinion. What do you guys think about how CBDCs influence crypto adoption on a whole? What's your perspective on it? Kim is back with her smile. <laughs> that Dubai data, as Steven said. Oh my God, this is, <laughs> this is insane. Um, so where were we? Did I, did, I, did I miss something? Oh, Stefan. Stefan is my biggest no, no, fan no. and I'm his biggest fan too. I, I love Stefan. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, you, you could just continue your thought. I was just kind of saying, yeah, that you were saying, you know, 80% of the um, countries in the world are looking into CBDCs. I gave a few examples. So you could continue yeah. your thought. Yeah, exactly. So uh, more than 80% of the central, ba central banks across the world are looking into CBDCs. Um, however, no one has, I guess you... Bahamas has successfully done it, but each kind of each country has their own requirements, right? So it's a bit tough yeah. to use someone else an example as an example. Um, you can use their example from a technical standpoint, but from a practical and economic standpoint, it has to be um, it has to be tailored to that country's you know, regulatory regime and, you know, yeah. currency protocols and so forth. Um, so I even, even it's, system, it's even system of, of government. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So it, it's like, it's a lot of trial trial and errors. Um, however, you know, there's been a lot of uh, really good research groups um, like the CBDC uh, global council that's been putting out right. um, papers and reports on this to help educate persons However, I, 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 would, I would say I would love to see more um, reports being done um, to educate persons on how the banking system works. I mean, the information yeah. is out there. You have to dig a little deep. Um, but obviously, no one wants to put it out because when they put it out, it, it, um, it shows what actually goes on in the back end and why a lot of these insane fees and timelines are, are justified. Um, so yeah. But I think well, that's, that's I mean, important to understand how it works first. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think our in our legacy uh, financial system, um, information sharing with the public has not been modus operandi, you know, 
And it's very different to the crypto space where, you know, most things are open source. You know, people have their white papers that, you know, can be viewed by anyone. You know, they have their um, token contracts that could be audited and they have the audits published, you know, and then it's on the blockchain, which anyone could basically access to see the different transactions. So that's a very different experience from legacy financial system where, you know, everything is very secretive. Everything is kind of hidden in the background. We don't understand why we have to pay $4 to make a withdrawal. We don't understand why it takes four days to clear a check from one bank to the next bank across the street. So you're right. I think it, it definitely isn't an important step to kind of uh, let people behind the curtain to see, you know, what that looks like before we can move forward. Yep. So, yep. so what exactly. would you say is, is, but, is an, so, so, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. No, no I was, thoughts. I was saying like, uh, see, CBDCs aren't going anywhere. Um, but I think it will be the thing that helps to the conversation at least helps to disrupt our entire financial industry. Even if we don't have, even if every country doesn't have a CBDC, it's probably not even necessary um, but just the whole conversation around it of people being curious because curiosity is what moves, um, what, what opens up these um, or reduces these barriers rather than educate, educate the world. And once everyone is aware, that's how, you know, we can make better and more informed uh, decisions. So regardless of whether countries adopt CBDCs or not, um, I think we will still see a more pro progressive financial system because we're having these conversations. Yeah. But but how do you think uh, these central banks go about um, driving innovation with CBDCs and cryptocurrencies while still kind of, for lack of a better word, protecting the legacy financial system? Because these banks and stuff have, you know, a lot of capital invested, you know, I, I think one of the challenges that traditional and legacy financial institutions face is that they've moved into an environment where the thing that used to be their greatest benefit is now their greatest uh, hindrance. They used to be great that they have branches all over the place and you know they could be accessed on every main street in a country, but now that creates this um, these overheads that make their operations, you know, so much more challenging. So not only are they, you know, kind of being displaced by cryptocurrency and DeFi, but neobanks are also, you know, kind of targeting them as well. So what would you see if you had to speak to like a central bank on how they're going to manage that transition for the commercial banks? How, how, how do you think they go about that? Um, so this is not financial advice and I'm not a central bank by any means, but <laughs> I mean, if I, if I were a central bank, um, if that's what you're asking, yeah, how I would go about it is, is probably just probably looking, just learning from it really, because right now there's a, 
crypto has a very um, democratic process in the way thing, things are done. Um, and central banks, and this is just speaking for myself, right? Um, yeah. Central banks obviously don't. Um, so it obviously needs to be within a control environment. But I think there's a way to have it permissioned, but permissionless in the sense right. that um, the central banks, for example, shouldn't be the only person running their nodes. There should be right. a global system where each central bank participates in running someone else's node, for example. Right. And that allows you to remain a little bit more decentralized. I think that's, that's, that's one that's way to do it. That's a great idea. Um, like even in the Caribbean, right? Even if every country was running the other no, uh, central banks node within this CARICOM uh, ecosystem, I think that would help. Um, I personally would never, I would never want to launch a centralized dollar by any means. So it's hard for me to speak from that perspective. But that's one way I would look to crypto for, you know, how do I take uh, what crypto and DeFi is doing and apply it to these existing systems. Um, and because you have the central banks running the nodes, it's, it's still trustworthy, right? It's still, right. you have a legit organization doing that. And the good part of crypto is that the consensus mechanism um, exists to do so. Um, you know, we have like proof of stake, right. proof of work, but we also have Byzantine agreements. Um, right. And uh, I'm familiar with Byzantine agreement because uh, my, the layer one blockchain that I work with, that's our, that's our consensus mechanism. And the reason we have this consensus mechanism is because other larger brands, say for example, Walmart, um, they want to they wanna have their own token, but they want it to remain decentralized. They can now create a trusted um, quorum of persons that are running their nodes. So Walmart aren't, aren't the only one. They can have um, all of their, their sister companies uh, running nodes. So I think the technology exists for CBDCs to be at least semi-decentralized. Um, and that's definitely one component I would personally look to, uh, to crypto to figure out how to implement. And also the good thing is the people to advise on this exists in the space. Like there's no lack of talent sure. there. You know, we have Gabriel Abad, who's an expert in CBDCs. We have Stefan, who's the president of the CBA, the Caribbean Blockchain Alliance. Yeah. Um, and all of these guys are very knowledgeable on how these things work and they're knowledgeable um, in the crypto world, so we have a good have a good hybrid of knowledge base that that can be tapped into. So we have no excuse on doing this properly for the Caribbean. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the biggest challenge is that a lot of the people in uh, leadership positions are from a generation that all of this just looks like, you know, Spanish or or, or Greek to them, you know, and they're not willing to take risk you know my personal opinion is that our system of government does not allow for innovation because governments are too concerned with um keeping things calm so that they win the next election than you know really stepping out there and taking some risk in terms of innovation that you know may not bear fruits 
within that five-year or four-year term of governance, you know. So I think, you know, at the back of their heads, they're always kind of thinking about, you know, okay, is this going to help me stay in power for another five years kind of thing? So that short-sightedness kind of hurts us. Yep. But, I mean, definitely great perspective. Um, I think, you know, I think at the end of the day, we're at a stage where these commercial banks have to find a way to adapt. I think a lot of what is taking place in the world is people putting things in place and kind of holding back the bolting horse so that the commercial banks and the traditional legacy banking system can compete at some level without, you know, DeFi just, you know, going crazy and, and leaving them completely in the dust. Yep. What yep. you said, what you said is important, right? It all, it all comes, it call, all comes down to the people in power because um, human capital is the most important. You have to be willing to work and you have to be open-minded um, about the space uh, it's not about winning the next election. It's about being able to compete at a global level. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm personally really glad to see Barbados um, being progressive. You know, our, our Prime Minister, Mia Motley, has really yeah. changed the way um, Barbados government is looked at, especially representing us in global forums. Um, so, that I think is the most, and you know, I see Stephen saying that open-mindedness is the most important things because it opens up you to uh, many new opportunities. And uh, you know, talking about it, I'm here in Dubai. Twenty years ago, none of this existed. Um, Dubai yeah. was literally a, a desert, and a lot of people think that um, Dubai got wealthy from its oil, but it was actually from its trade and being innovative in their approach to science and technology. Everywhere, everywhere that you go in Dubai, it's all about the science and technology field. They focus on the education there, um, and their government is very open to learn about these new, um, these new technologies like Bitcoin. And Dubai is becoming the crypto hub. A lot of people have been saying it, but it all, it all stems yeah. back to the fact that the, the, the authorities, the ones that are making the decision, are being open um, to to what's happening. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great point. I mean, when you look at um, countries like Singapore that have no natural um, resources uh, and what they've been able to do in a short space of time, just being open-minded uh, and looking at how they could compete and, and looking at what, what their value proposition is. I think it's it, it would be a huge... It would be a huge sad moment if the Caribbean does not take advantage of the amount of talent, the amount of expertise, and the opportunity that is available to us right now, because we have everything that we need to really move forward and participate in this space. You know, it's not like previous times where we needed all this uh, infrastructure to be laid in terms of cables, in terms of um, you know. Um, equipment and that kind of thing we're past that point we already have the internet we already have access to all the infrastructure and we already have access to all the talent so you know it would be a sad thing to not see the caribbean really take charge and, and really run with 
this opportunity that we have right now in the crypto space. I mean, we have people like yourself, um, unfortunately, having to, you know, go out to, you know, spaces like Dubai and stuff like that to get gather resources around your projects. And, and we have the resources within the Caribbean to, to finance opportunities like that. But people just aren't open-minded enough to really take advantage. Yep, 100%. Um, I like to say that the era of the internet was access to information and now the era of crypto and blockchain is access to capital and value. Um, and it's literally right at our fingertips. Um, and uh, yeah. it's, it's good to see people in the Caribbean, uh, individuals at least, being uh, forward thinking and taking it upon themselves to go learn everything online and not depend or wait on, you know, their government and the school system to adapt to it. Um, this is actually, this is very positive because it shows initiative. Um, this is what we need in the Caribbean. People taking initiative and, and being curious um, and exploring these new and innovative fields that are, that are coming up. And, you know, it's, it's not just crypto, it's, it's AI um it's it, it's yeah. everything it's um Robotics. it's things that will move it's... us forward and yeah within the next 20 years how are we going to compete at a global level um we have to we have to educate ourselves now and uh we are the future as cheesy as it sounds um what's gonna happen to our existing um the guys that are in power 20 50 years from now a lot of them probably won't be there so it, it will be us that will be um, deciding what what happened. So uh, it's it's good to see um, everyone being curious yeah, and, and taking initiative here. And there's so much information available um, in the space. You know, um, there is so like there is so much information you could gather just from watching you know YouTube videos and interviews and 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 checking out uh, websites like A16Z and, and, and different spaces like that. But there are also yep. um, opportunities to gain those certificates and, and, and that technical knowledge. That, because, you know, we still live in the Caribbean where they always want a centralized institution to validate your knowledge. So you still have to, you know, go to those schools and get and get that piece of paper but there are opportunities for that you know um i myself you know i've done a couple of courses with duke university um school of business that focus specifically on blockchain focus specifically on crypto um on DeFi. i think it i can't remember the name of the course offhand but it's it's something to do with innovation and entrepreneurship um it's a micro masters, but there are opportunities. So I really hope that, you know, as we have these conversations and it becomes more public, um, people see opportunities to, you know, step away from just the doctor, lawyer, engineer space and really take a step forward into the digital economy and the opportunities that are there. I see Stefan yep. saying you know, everyone, Web3 like is everything. It is. <laughs> I I one hundred percent agree with that. To be, I Web three allows you to tap into the 
global DeFi ecosystem or just a global crypto ecosystem or the global ecosystem in itself because it's it's web three, right? Mm-hmm. You're not bounded by anything or, or anyone. Um and I also George yeah. George just mentioned Omega. So that the yeah. Omega chat. Um everyone in the Caribbean, everyone in crypto from my my interactions are extremely willing to help. Um I haven't met a single person who have been, you know, closed off or um, unresp- unresponsive by any means. So, you know, we have people, we have people that are willing to assist. Um, and, you know, everyone, as I said earlier, everyone is, everyone is just learning and trying to figure all of this thing out. It's, it's hard to call ourselves an expert when things are changing um, on a daily basis. Every, every second. But, yeah. We have no excuse. <laughs> we have no excuse. We, we yeah, have access I mean, to the information and we have access to the people that are willing to help. So, you know, I, I really, yeah. I really hope that this momentum continues and it compounds so that, you know, within the next year to five years, um, the Caribbean position itself as a, as a leading um, contributor to the crypto ecosystem and leverage crypto um, for themselves. For sure, for sure. I mean, big up Omega, big up George and Omega, big up um, Crypto Islanders and Jean-Marc, uh, big up Karifti, Anya and Wyatt. I mean, there are so many communities in the Caribbean space, you know, the Crypto Caribbean crew, uh, the Crypto and Cognac Telegram. But there are so many people that are bringing different value propositions to the space and building community. For example, you know, uh, Carifty, they're focused on more the creatives in the Caribbean region and supporting them in the NFT space. Um, Omega is, you know, just a, a, a value proposition of knowledge, expertise, camaraderie, um, everything you could you could hope for in a community. Um, so I think it's it's we definitely have the foundations within the Caribbean environment to really deliver great value to the global markets. So um, definitely I want to see that continue to grow. I want to see people like yourself continue to grow in your space and continue to give back, like having these conversations. Hopefully um, when you get back home, we could have another conversation. Maybe we could delve a little bit more into this project of yours and give, um, give the crypto and cognac people a little bit more insight, maybe some opportunities where that is concerned. But thank you very much for being with me this evening, Kim. Is there anything else you want to say? Anybody you want to shout out? Any opportunity you want to just touch base on? Let me know. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess big shout out to, to Stefan um, and uh, George. These guys are, these guys yeah. are, well, I know Stefan is doing a lot on the CBA side and George has been holding down the AMAG crew and really, really educating them. So, you know, big shout out to them and also to yourself um, for continuing to push these conversations forward. Um, this is what we need. Conversation and dialogue yeah. is, is what make things happen. So, you know, respect to you guys and, you know, really looking forward to continuing the discussion. And we will definitely... 
I would love to show my project with you guys. I think it's a, I, I love it. <laughs> I know you guys will, will like it too. Yeah, for sure. So we will. I mean, um, that's, that's, we'll that's what we're that about. Later. We're all about, we're all about, you know, supporting each other. At the end of the day, we want Caribbean people to have access to Caribbean projects at its earliest point and be able to benefit the most when, you know, these projects start going global, you know, because that's what takes place in all the other, um, spaces you know american americans get access to american projects earliest same thing in the in the um in asia in the middle east so so why not have it happen here in the caribbean exactly exactly and maybe it's a case where i need to do more marketing in the caribbean because right now i've just been focused on globally but i think if we also have um stuff that we can look up to right and projects yeah. that we can ins be inspired by um i think that would that would also be pretty helpful in general yeah 100 percent. i mean I've, I've had i've had a few projects kind of reach out to me um because of you know there are few um there are few opportunities to directly target the caribbean so, you know, recently I did a review on a project and the project kind of reached out to me and said, you know, what I loved what you did with the review. You know, the Caribbean is one that we've been looking into. This project is called Rage Fans and they have an app called Scramble. But they're they're very much like they're, they're out of India, but they're into like cricket and, um, you know, Premier League, fantasy football. And it's it's stuff that we are very much related, relatable Two in the Caribbean and they actually just you know said yo we love what you did with the review we want to send you some um, tokens to give to your community so actually tonight I'm going to be giving out some rage token um, tokens we're going to give away some free bags guys all you have to do to participate is reshare the podcast and tag me on it and I'm going to give away some free bags you know um i have about 30 dollars worth of crypto which doesn't sound like much but 30 us is a lot um i'm going to be giving away some tokens in my private telegram group as well in all i'm going to be giving out about 100 us worth of tokens this weekend so guys touch in as steven saying the lt hennessy crypto cognac <laughs> Big up Anya and the Wildflower. Anya recently launched, Anya Young, she recently launched her Wildflower project, which is an NFT project that she's working, she's, she worked on with uh, Creator Labs, 3D, which is out of Trinidad, Zed Labs as well, you know, Stephen, uh, Mark, Ariane, Steph, you know, Caribbean people doing really amazing things in this space, you know. So I want to continue to support those and Absolutely. support everyone. So thank you very much again, awesome. Kimberly, for being with us, for sharing with us. I can't wait to have you back. Guys, as always, thank you guys for being with me. As I always say, exposure is important. Awareness is a must. Adoption is inevitable. Thank you for staying up late. Kim, thank you for getting up early. Everyone, be blessed. Stay good. Peace out. Thank you, guys.